0: the ideas, the leaders,
1: the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, with your co-hosts, Ed Lay and Thomas Mulhern, this is Global Denmark. Hello, and welcome back to the Global Denmark Podcast where we explore how thought leaders and innovators are working to create a better Denmark and a better world. We have the pleasure of speaking to Ketje Erosen, the CEO of Women Deliver, a leading global advocate for gender equality and the well-being of girls and women around the world. In addition, Ketje has served as Chief of Strategic Communication and Public Advocacy for UNICEF and is the 2018 Dane of the Year. In this wide-ranging conversation, we explore a variety of subjects, including... How women can deliver, the status of gender equality both in Denmark and around the world, understanding the factors that stand in the way of women's well-being, and the keys to changing the current situation going forward. Without further ado, we bring you Ketje Erosom. Welcome back to the Global Denmark Podcast. I am your co-host, Thomas Mulhern, and we are sitting today with my co-host, Ed Lee and Ketje Irosen. Ketje, thank you so much for joining us from Harlem, New York. How are you today?
0: It's my pleasure to be here. I'm good. It's a little earlier here, but uh, that's great.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you have some coffee and uh, you're ready to dive right in. Totally. All right. Ketje, I'm just going to come right out with it. How can women deliver?
0: Well, women deliver and a lot more than babies. How can men deliver? How can women deliver? How can we deliver? You know, there's not a lot of difference there. There's just a lot of difference in the opportunities they get to deliver. So I and Women Deliver, we work on gender equality and some of the things that need to be in place to get a much more gender equal world where everybody can thrive and not just half of the population.
2: So are you able to outline for us the, the scope of the problem that, that you kind of just outlined, perhaps starting at home in Denmark and then spreading further out to the rest of the world?
0: Yes, sure. I should be able to do that. It's more or less my job. <laughs> um, so there's not a single country in the world where there's gender equality, and that harms everybody. Big, not one big, country in the world? Not one country in the world. Iceland gets close, but there's not one country yet. Some are getting closer, and it's being measured much more than it has been before. And what we see is that the world loses both a lot of money and a lot of resources and a lot of, let's say, that people feel better by having people locked into gender norms and predefined roles. So McKinsey shows that if we had gender equality in the world, the global GDP could go up 28 trillion, that was with a T, that's like 26% of global GDP. So it's not only the right thing to do from a human rights perspective to give people equal opportunities, it's also the really sound thing to do from an economic perspective and from a social perspective. So if we look at Denmark, Denmark is one of the countries that's doing better than many. It's in the top 20. It was once in top 10, but not Mm -hmm. anymore and there are kind of more equality on the gender scheme than, than, than many other places. But we also see that it's going backwards.
1: We so have what do very, you think is very, going right there? And what's the reason for the regression? So
0: what's going right is, for example, education. We have a lot of women getting education. And that is one of the drivers of gender equality and a prosperous world across the globe. We also see that, you know, access to health care, et cetera, that's equal. We still see a lot of gender-based violence. We still see a lot of violence against women. We don't see very many women in leadership positions. Very few women are CEOs. And there are countries that we would normally not compare ourselves with that have many more women in, for example, politics. So uh, still room for improvement. But the good thing is that there's a focus on it. And we hope for more that will be coming. And also, it is kind of an export value for Denmark through foreign policy and through development aid. So I look forward to seeing it more implemented at home as well.
1: With so many potential benefits, both from a social standpoint, and but also from an economic standpoint, why aren't countries doing more?
0: Well, one thing is sticking to what we know, you know, kind of and following, oh, but this has worked, you know, so let's just do it again. We see a lot more action coming now, both in terms of the education, health, But also on the political part, I had a discussion with the president of Ethiopia last week and the week before with the president of Colombia. And they, for example, have gender parity in the ministry cabinet. So they have as many ministers, men and women. And when that happens, we see a ripple effect that go through all of society We now have 10 countries in the world that have gender parity in government, and that has big effect we see on the countries that do that.
1: That's really fascinating that there's statistical data showing that the more gender parity, the more successful a country is, but there's a direct correlation.
0: Both in economy, but also socially. If we take some of the countries where you have more women in in power, more women who lead, the education outcome, more people get an education, the health of the people is generally better, and it's more stable in terms of peace and security, not to mention less corruption. So all that evidence women deliver has been involved, I've been involved in gathering that and nudging that it happened. Ten years ago we didn't have as much evidence as we do today. And what we do is we kind of package it in solution packages that we share with leaders across the globe, whether it's company leaders or government leaders and ministers and and everybody with influence, both to drive investment but also to drive action. And we can see that it works.
2: And what What are those actions? How do we drive change?
0: So, for example, it is, as I said before, it is giving more women access to education, also higher education. We see today that more girls than ever get into school, but they drop out again before they get to secondary school. And we need to get them all through. Uh, it is access to health care, including access to decide on your own body and whether you want children or when you want them. That means access to family planning, access to modern contraception, uh, access to abortion. You know, if a woman don't have access to that, the chance that she will be pregnant most of the time is really high. And when you are that, getting an education move, most places in the world is a distant dream, not to mention getting a job, keeping a job. So some of the things are very basic. But some of the things also really challenge cultural norms. You know, in some places, you know, women are not seen as being able to lead because you don't have any role models to look at. But that's also changing now. You know, you're getting more more women in leadership, and that also means that when little girls grow up, they can see female leaders and say, "Hey, that could be me one day."
1: I propose, you are a female leader. You are a CEO of Women Deliver, so you are yourself. This role model for many girls how does that feel for you knowing that you're both fighting for gender equality but you yourself are a role model due to your position
0: it's very humbling and it's something i that i put a lot of thought into because of course i'm human with all the mistakes that a human has and all the failures and all of that but you know when i'm out i know that uh, you know i know that people look at me and you know both you know kind of see me as a role model but also kind of judge what I do so you know kind of having that little little thing on your shoulder that says you know kind of all right is the makeup right is your clothes right I you know I don't go out in the pajamas in New York anymore
2: I certainly recognize the role model situation and it's, it's something that's played out in many of the, the challenges in society where where role models are the people that need to lead the way but what is the thing that we need to learn in the meantime, is it, do we need to all take more responsibility? Is that the thing that, that each country needs to learn, taking responsibility for creating and who has responsibility for upbringing children and contraception and, and things like that?
0: You know, there's a systemic thing that needs to happen. That's kind of at country level and international level. You know, the right laws, the right implementation of systems in terms of health and education, leadership and all that, that needs to be in place. So there's the legal part of it and the system part of power, basically, because this is also about influence and access. But then there's also the individual and the gender norms that we have to look at. You know, if we always, for example, hire people that look like ourselves and 80% of the people in power are men, who do you think they'll hire? They'll hire those who look like themselves when they were young and, you know, kind of promising. And that's what we see is when you get more women in – And all research shows that when you have a more diverse both workforce and leadership team, it's actually good for everybody. So the work environment, the economy and all of that. So we all have changes we need to make as parents. As workers, as, you know, citizens, because it's also at home. If you only tell your girl that she looks like a princess and she's beautiful and the boy that he's, the, you know, kind of a strong guy and he should not cry, that's where we put the gender norms down. So it's every one of us who has a role to play in it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really striking when we talk about diversity management, whether it's gender diversity generational diversity, cultural diversity, that the numbers are very clear, that the more diverse uh, teams our countries are, the better off they are. And it's still fascinating to see how due to cultural barriers or comfortableness with homogenous way of doing things, that we let that stand in the way of true well-being for everyone.
0: I'd say that, yeah, absolutely. And one of the big things that we need to look at, and it's sure, this is a joint thing. This is not a woman 's issue or a woman 's problem, this is a societal issue and a societal gain that 's also you know as we see in the me too movement and all of that you know we need men who kind of talk up for gender equality when we go to events with on gender equality, ninety percent, if not ninety five percent of the participants are women. This is really. Something where we need you guys, you know, both speak up when you see something that's not okay, but also kind of help break the mold.
2: Thomas and I are uh, both fathers of daughters. How can we go about molding the next generation of women to aspire to that greatness, to aspire to be CEOs, etc.?
0: It is supporting both boys and girls in what they really want to do and, and give them the same opportunities whether that's kind of the boy dance and uh, do gymnastics or it's the girl who kind of does math and physics you know we need a lot more women in mathematics and chemistry and physics and engineering and all of that so that's kind of give the same opportunity when you play what you play does everybody play with Lego Or is the girls always playing with the dolls? And of course, there's a free choice to do that. But that's also just some of the things that parents can think about. How do you speak to your your children? What opportunities do you give them? Then we kind of come into some of the other part of role modeling. And that comes to how is the work shared at home? Do you say, I'll go out and help mom with the dishes? Then you just define the kitchen as her domain and you will help. Not as if it's your responsibility. So it's also, it's really much the unpaid care work that happens at home. You know, how do you share that? We know that there's a couple of things that are really groundbreaking. One is that men take paternity leave and is yeah. with a kid when they are small. The bond that's made there is absolutely amazing. Also, in terms of what happens afterwards, where, you know, as today, you'd often see it's the mum who stays home the first day. But why is that? And the other thing is that sharing of the responsibilities at home, because that also frees up the woman to go and take care of her career. And then, of course, Absolutely. combined with childcare. care.
1: I was a, a leader at an international school here in Copenhagen, and my daughter was born, and I decided to take paternity leave. And I can tell you that I got a lot of positive feedback from the employees at the school because I was able to set a, a role model example that, you know, I believe also in this gender equality and, you know, how crucial it was for also the father to be there and breaking down these, you know, historical and cultural stereotypes in terms of what it means to be a male or female and what role that has in terms of rearing of children.
0: That's great. I'm really glad to hear. And also the research shows that that liberates men as well because you know men are often also boxed into a role that you know I'm the provider I'm have to be the strong one you know kind of and all of us have all these emotions on the whole spectrum why can we only be in one box
1: absolutely now we talked actually to Søren Christensen who's the CEO of FC North Football Club and it was really striking to hear about just the difference between female and male soccer players or football players in terms of their opportunities in the game and the reasons for why they're playing the game. And I can just see that looking out at the playgrounds, just the difference between just something like football, which is a core cultural element in the Danish culture, for example, and how it's so different depending upon your gender.
0: Yeah, including the balls you play with, because the balls is generally made for men. So they are really hard. So a lot of girls get injuries. That's why it's so great to see that the new football has been developed that's actually a little lighter that makes the game for girls much more fun and safe.
1: Hey interesting I did not know that.
0: That's a trajectory for the conversation we can come back to another day. <laughs>
2: sure. um, gotcha you mentioned that you've been pulling in a lot of data and, and that was really important to to get data from, from lots of different countries how do you notice the action that you take inside a specific country? And can you correlate those actions to impact on that data?
0: So it's good to see that so much more data is available. Uh, one of the big calls for action is actually to get gender disaggregated data or data where you can see what gender you're talking about, because often they are just aggregated. You can't see if it's men or women or old and young and, and that. So getting much better data is key. Because if you want to have efficient and effective policies, they have to be based on evidence of what works. So if you don't measure it, you don't treasure it, and you can't see the results. So that's really good to see. The more measurement that's done, the better policies and implementation can be. Women Deliver don't generate data, we nudge data. So we work with you know, the McKinsey's and the World Bank and the big research institutions to say, we have a gap in this area so we generate the data but we also collect the solutions on what works and what has worked in different places so it becomes an inspire an idea an inspire catalog and that we do open source so everybody can take it and run with it we have trawled through 30000 pages of research and distilled them into 12 investments in girls and women that will drive progress for everybody So that's within health, education, violence, political participation, economic participation, the environment, et cetera. And it's been so great to see that uh, that material that we drilled down to 12 cards and some policy briefs actually became background reading for the G7 in 2018 when the G7 was hosted by Canada. And I was so lucky to get a role to play in that.
1: Wow, that's terrific. So these are the 12 pillars where you're putting your focus on, and if countries can implement these, we could see a substantial increase in...
0: Yeah, and that goes like hot cake, and we don't do it alone, because, you know, we know our limits, so we bring in all the organizations who are the absolute experts. We're good, but we're a great convener, and then we kind of do that together, and then we put it out there to be used.
1: Ketja, you were recently named the Dane of the Year. So... I don't know if I should call you a Great Dane or the Greatest Dane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the <laughs> the Great Dane. That's what, my, that's what my staff called. I
1: think, I think the Great Dane is what uh, we'll no. entitle this episode. First of all, what does it mean to you to be named the Dane of the Year? And tell us a little bit about that process.
0: Well, first and foremost, it was an utterly surprise because, you know, I'm not really known in Denmark. I have been working internationally for quite a while now. So first when the people co- called me and said they wanted to interview me because I'd been nominated, I was kind of, okay, what? And then when I saw who were the other amazing nominees, I was like kind of, holy smokes. I was very, I of course, honored and humbled and, and just kind of happy to be part of the 10. Then it was kind of a public vote. And then there was a, a jury And then when I saw how people mobilized some different groups in Denmark, both, you know, I come from the Western part of Jutland, but uh, that mobilized, but also to see how mid-mark wives, nurses, and friends, and others mobilized, uh, I had to pinch myself there. And then finally, when the chief editor called from Berlingskittina to say that that they had nominated me, I I got really, really, really surprised and happy and... uh, yeah, stood in the middle of a very public place and started to cry.
1: So how many Danes are there right now? Are there, what's it, five, six million?
0: Uh, five point something, three, four, five. Yeah, something like that.
1: That's pretty impressive to be number one out of 5.5 <laughs> 5 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations, I, uh, Ketcha. I think it's well deserved. Thanks a lot. Now, you're based in New York, and obviously you're the Dane of the year, and you're out in the world. How do you see your role as an ambassador of sorts representing uh, Denmark as well?
0: Well, yeah, I'm very much on the road, as I, I say a little cheekily. I spent as many nights on Starlines Alliance planes selling my own bed last year. So I'm very much out and about. But I'm Danish, and I'm very Danish, and, you know, I, I have my heart in Copenhagen. So that I always carry with me. And, you know, the issues I work on... In gender equality and women's health and rights, including sexual and reproductive health and rights, it's something that Denmark has stood up for many, many, many years. You know, my grandmother was in that fight to have that happen back in the 30s. So that's something I carry within me. In Denmark, we are very egalitarian. That is very evident in the way I uh, am a leader, but also in the way that I approach people. You know, I'm not really high on titles. That also means I don't really care about my own, but I also don't get scared of other people's title. And what I can see when I'm out and I get in situations where I stand in front of some of the world's biggest leaders, some people will freeze or kind of be, you know, kind of very, oh no, I can't go and talk to them because that's a president. I'm kind of well, hello, hello, how are you? You know, because we all we all human beings, and I see the human before I see the title. So that's both. And active in the way that I can sometimes a little cheekily get to talk to people, but also people get a little surprised when I just walk up to them and start talking. And then, of course, as a leader in Women Deliver, how I take some of the leadership principles from Denmark, the way we are, non-hierarchical, consulting and all of that. I've taken that in, in with me, which is my hope and think is one of the reasons why we're successful. Yeah, it's
2: certainly something that we've heard echo. We interviewed Rufus Gifford a a few weeks ago, and one of the first things he mentioned was that, that he wasn't using his title, Mr. Ambassador, and wasn't addressed by it. And it helped him both integrate better into the country, but also the country kind of welcomed him more because of him not using that title. That's certainly one of the, the big positives that I've kind of noticed here in Denmark. But you mentioned before that Denmark was in the top 10 and then slipped outside of the top 10 for gender equality. Could you point to any laws or things that have changed that have caused that to happen? Is it literally just the improvement of other countries or has Denmark changed its policies somehow?
0: You know, my little pocket theory is, and then I'll give some evidence afterwards, is that There's a tendency to say, we don't have a problem. And when you don't have a problem, we don't have to do anything. And there's kind of collectively in leadership today, been saying, no, we don't have a problem, even though the numbers show something else. And then one of the things that some of the other countries have done is that they have gone for quotas. And that's kind of linked to the role modeling. Because if you're not used to seeing, you know, let's put it like this. If 80% of leaders are men, most of their wives might not work or they have work that's very flexible and part-time. What do they think about women's capability of working? Or what does the girl see or young women see in leadership? Do they see, oh, that's my place. I look like that suit. So that's kind of one of the arguments for quotas. I had a great discussion with Christine Lagarde from International Monetary Fund and she used to be dead against quotas. But after she worked here as head of the IMF, she says, now I get it. I get it. We need it for some time to really break that mold and get more women into leadership. And then it will go. That's what we see in many countries. In Denmark, we haven't taken that step. And in Denmark, there is a tendency to say, oh, it's either the women or we can't find women who are capable or women don't want to, or there's a lot of excuses. We call it the bullshit, bingo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, where are the- what, what do you think the what- real
1: issue is? Why no quotas in Denmark?
0: Well, because, you know, we have not had a political system that wanted that. And uh, then you can ask, who is it that's sitting in the political system?
1: Can you give us some data here in terms of, not sure if you're aware of the data in terms of Denmark, what percentage of CEOs are men or board chairmen and board members?
0: Oh, I saw it. Are we around 5% or 7% or something like that? Might be a little higher on board members, but it is definitely in the one digits. In the one digits Mm -hmm. for the amount of female CEOs? That's what I recall, yeah.
1: I just read that the first female chairman of the board of a tier one Danish company was appointed at Christian Henson.
0: That's great. We love it. And also, there's a lot of people who would say, oh, I want to be chosen on my competencies. But if competencies only are defined by one gender, then they look like that gender. You know, competencies are big and varied. I have had a great discussion with Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada. What happened when he chose to have an equal cabinet? Because, you know, he basically thought, OK, we get that. And then the situation will continue as is. But the discussions also changed. You know, it became different discussion about leadership. It became different discussions about the way forward. And that's also something that when you get a more diverse leadership and when you get a more diverse workplace, things do change. And not just in the results, but also in the ways things are done. And that's kind of one of the purposes, isn't it? Absolutely. I can
2: see that that being... One of the major routes, if a man is looking at a problem, he looks at a male way of fixing that problem, where there could be a completely different way of approaching it. So I certainly see what you're talking about there. Um, You mentioned the pretending that there isn't a problem is the problem. So is it something that we need to just make sure that we talk about more?
0: I think we need to talk a lot more about it, and then we need to measure it and put that out. We see in some countries, for example, they have to report on numbers, both in pay gap and in number of leadership, and do that publicly. So we've seen that in some countries have a big effect because then it becomes a public discussion and that accountability. When you're getting measured, you kind of you want to do better. What we also see, and and that's a very interesting thing, that's what companies also do. I work with some of the world's biggest companies as an advisor, and what we see a big tendency now is the unstereotyping in marketing. So, you know, kind of we all know those washing detergent <laughs> ads where you have a yeah. woman kind of filling the yeah. filling the mm-hmm. washing machine, there you have just defined that as her space and that's her job. What we see for example Unilever and Procter and Gamble and a lot of the other big companies, they have a very deliberate effort right now to unstereotype their marketing and pressure their marketing companies to actually put measurements down on how they do. And that's becoming a real big change because, again, you can be what you can see. And if, if you only pigeonhole the different genders, because this is also about men, you know, kind of if they also get pigeonholed. But if you can kind of loosen up on that and challenge that in the marketing, then a lot will be gained. So actually, we work with companies that accounts for, I think, almost two-thirds of the global marketing budget and they are kind of taking steps in that direction now
1: fantastic so it's about the marketing messaging it's about gathering the correct and relevant data and yeah and appealing to these
0: sides and then do it you know both as individuals but also as leaders and be that role modeling there
1: Now, you mentioned at the outset that Iceland was probably number one in terms of gender equality. What is it that Denmark can learn from Iceland if we look at them as a best practice, even though they're not perfect?
0: Well, again, there's some corners, there's leadership, and there's a really, really big political focus on it and they discuss it a lot. In Denmark, it's often a non-discussion, or it becomes an angry discussion, which, of course, then you go over in your trenches, and then it becomes a a war there. But it's very open discussion that we see in Iceland, and they measure a lot.
1: Is there anything fundamentally about the Danish culture that would prevent it from moving in that direction?
0: I don't think so. And and let's also, also be real. Things are not, when we look at it globally, still in the top 20 but if we don't pay attention to it and if we don't go that extra mile we won't win all the gains that can come from it and it'll keep sliding backwards
1: i can't think of another cause where you would want to strive to be number one more than what you're doing i think that's definitely a goal to be i want to be number one in this not maybe the happiest country on earth but the most gender equal country on earth i think that's more than a pr point that's something to strive for
0: as we say, when you invest in gender equality, when you invest in girls and women, everybody wins. It's not just the individual girls or the women. It's really everybody.
2: Katja, this is a fascinating conversation, and I'm sure we could continue all day. But I want to be mindful of your time. We're going to take a short break here and then come back with a quick fire round. We are back, and this is our quick fire round. But please feel free to give long, meandering answers if you so choose. Katja, one of my main interests is optimising human performance. So do you have any habits, routines or rituals that you do every day to kind of optimise your performance on the day?
0: Uh, I think very well in the shower and I play half an hour of Sudoku to sharpen my brain.
2: Cool. And is the Sudoku, is that first thing in the morning?
0: Last thing in the evening.
2: And do you notice an impact for having done it or is it something that you just enjoy?
0: I enjoy it, but I also know that when I'm grappling with problems, sometimes I don't go straight at them, but they kind of are happening in the side of my mind. And that means that the mind is working when I do the Sudoku and sometimes... The solution comes when I do that.
2: Absolutely love that.
1: Have you ever undergone any one-off events or experiences that you would attribute with either a huge leap performance in your ability as a CEO or as a human being in general?
0: You know, in 2016, Women Mm. Deliver hosted, and that was my first as a host conference, the largest conference on gender equality and women's health and rights. And it was in Copenhagen, Denmark. And it became absolutely groundbreaking with 6,000 people on-site and tens of tens of thousands off-site. And, you know, doing that with world leaders and everything from the community workers to celebrities and world leaders, that was probably one of the biggest events and undertaking I've had. We're going to do it even bigger and better in 110 days in June in Vancouver, Canada, when the next Women Deliver conference will happen.
1: That's fantastic. I can hear that you are, through your work, are in a lot of contact with both political leaders, but also celebrities. Is there a different way of getting through to them than you would have in a normal conversation with, for example, Ed and I?
0: So one of my big things is that you see them as people. You don't see them as titles or celebrities that means the conversations are absolutely normal the biggest thing is getting through to them you're getting through the handlers and the secretaries and all of that my experience is when i stand in front of them and you have a human conversation that's where the connection is made and also just have the conversation maybe not totally on topic to start with that's part of the networking ability is that, you know, if, if you stand in front of a world leader, when I kind of first time met the Italian prime minister, we spoke about risotto. We didn't speak about gender equality <laughs> to begin with. And then we got into a conversation.
2: Katja, what is something weird or strange about you?
0: That's a firing spur. <laughs> uh, weird oh, Yeah, you did <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty down to earth but I guess we all have our small small quirks uh, Let me think just, about that I'll, let, being Danish. I'll, kind of, I'll have that kind of running in the side of my mind I need to get an answer before we stop
1: Alright, well I'll pivot then to something more traditional What would you say is your biggest motivator and conversely your biggest demotivator
0: The biggest motivator in the world Is making the world change. We really need that. And it's our responsibility, each and every one of us. You know, we can't wait for someone to fix our problems. And there are problems that need to be fixed. So my biggest motivator is to do that, but also to see the gains that we get and to hear about it. So that's the motivator. The biggest demotivator is people being only in it for themselves and being greedy and you know, uh, self-focused, you know, kind of when that happens, I get extremely disappointed. And I'm kind of, come on, you can do better than that.
2: Absolutely. If you were invited to a dinner party and you could invite just two people from history, alive or dead, who would you invite and why?
0: I would invite Nelson Mandela because I think he is one of the most amazing people going through what he'd gone through without becoming bitter but being constructive in making change happen. You know, he could have come out of prison and just tended his own life, but he didn't. He fought until his death to make a better not only South Africa, but world. So he would be one of them. And if I would take another character, it's a fictional character, and maybe it wouldn't be the same dinner, but that would be Pipi Longstocking. Because as a role model but also as a strong girl who defies Mm -hmm. expectations. I think she's absolutely cool. I think we could make a great dinner. I'm not sure it would be very traditional.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would be be a great dinner. Katja, what was the best piece of business or life advice that you ever received?
0: One of the best pieces of advice I got was when I started in my first UN job, and it was, always to treat people well no matter what level they are at because you don't know who it is that can help you get access and work just becomes a little more fun and nice if we treat each other nice.
2: I like that a lot. Did you have a teacher or mentor when you were younger that had a a huge impact or influence on your life?
0: I grew up in a very small village, and I actually have to say that I had my mom and my dad for most of my classes. So, uh, you know, they are great people, and they inspired me a lot to be the person I am today. But if I look at my uh, at my high school class, I want to say my geography teacher showed me that geography is not just a matter of countries. It's also a matter of people and the whole world. So I'm very grateful to him to show socio-economic part of geography and the political part of geography as well. And he was a great guy.
1: Ketcher, what would you say to someone if they said change is not possible, power is too entrenched, this is a waste of your time?
0: I'd say that's not true, and you should just get up and do it. Get up and do it. Yeah. And together when we do it, we're much stronger. You know, power power can be used for good. You know, power is not necessarily bad. It's a way it's used. And that's one of the things that we focus a lot on is, you know, everybody in power, everybody has some kind of power, soft, hard, appointed, just inbuilt. And that power can be used for good and it can be used to make change happen.
2: Excellent. What book or books have you most gifted or been most influenced by?
0: Oh, I read a lot. I read a lot, now I don't have a lot of time for it anymore. Mm. I don't have one, but if you asked if it was a movie, i said "Back back at Café, and Cine Paradiso and, and some of those classics made a mm. big impression. Why is that? Cine Paradiso, just because it's a beautiful movie, and I love Italy. And uh, now I have a little shed in Italy that I have renovated with a friend, 28 square meters. Lovely. That's a good place to pull the plug and re-energize, you need that in your life. You know, when you go at the pace that that I go, I need my little time in my colonia in Amma and my little time in Italy. And back at cafe, I think it was just because live life. And what happened there was you saw characters who just said no to the life they lived because it was boring and not leading anywhere and then tried something else. And that's, you know, I don't think we are given to live just the way things are just because they are. We have choices to make. And that's also one of the things that I'm brought up with. It's okay to complain, but it's not okay to not do anything about it. And if you're not happy with your life, try to do something to change it.
1: I think that's a message that everyone can take to heart. And I know Ed and I, that's how we try to live our lives as well. Ketcha, I'm mindful of your time, and I have one final question here. You have been named the Dane of the Year, and I just want you to tell our audience both domestically here in Denmark, but also internationally, what can Denmark teach the world? And what can you, through your work, still teach Denmark?
0: I think Denmark Denmark is a great country and I'm really happy to come from there. We can show the world, and we also need to stay true to it, that everybody wins when you have a welfare state, where you lift up people and each other, and you help each other, so that Denmark doesn't have a lot, it has a growing inequality, we need to be really aware of that. It's a safer, better society when there's not a lot of inequality and that's on all scales. So Denmark can really show the world value wise that the participatory, the taking care of each other. And also innovation. I think, you know, Denmark has some of the best indicators well on, on happiness, but also one of the best places to be An entrepreneur and start a new company and at the same time pay our taxes and we have a schooling system that is fairly equal we have good health you know I live in the United States now where you pay through the nose for bad health quality (laughs) we really kind of have to guard our good health system and that costs some money but it's money good given out
1: we'll catch you I, um, I know I'm speaking on behalf of Ed and I but we will be there with you in Copenhagen the day that Denmark becomes number one in gender diversity here in the world having a toast with you and hopefully not too long
0: we'll have a good party on that
2: (laughs) uh, before we go is there anything that you would like to promote or anything that you would like to say to our audience and let them know where they can perhaps find you on, on social media
0: I'm just going to do this in two parts, if that's OK, sure. because there's something I forgot to say before. First, I just want to say to everybody, Danes and, and others, now we've done this in English, which is, of course, a little funny. But uh, <laughs> we all have that role to play to create a good society and a gender equal society where we lift each other up instead of pushing each other down. If you want a lot more data and a lot more information on what we and women deliver do and what I go and do, you can follow me on Twitter. Katja underscore Iverson on Facebook. We always put good stories, good ideas and good data out and you can follow me on my trips around the world. One of the things I also want to say to Danish women is you got to get better at networking. Men are good at networking but women are just kind of lacking a little behind in that. And if we want a gender equal society, if we want more influence and be better positioned, it's also on us to be out and do that networking not to kind of step back and wait for people to discover us. It's hard work and it can be very uncomfortable. But I know it's not the end of the world. And so we got to get better at that. There's a lot of tips and tricks for that to find. in in the book I came out with in 2018, that's called Queen the did Network, Women Know Your Network. Yeah. Because this is not just on the men, it is on the women. And it is on all of us to get to that place where where we can all thrive and use our full potential.
1: Well, I hope we can get to that place sooner rather than later. Ketje, it a true pleasure to have you on the podcast. And you are welcome, whether you're in Denmark or wherever you are abroad, to call in any time and we can see how everything's going.
0: That's great. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: You're welcome. And to our audience, please don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to leave a rating and review to help our podcast get in front of more eyes where we are trying to promote a conversation where Denmark opens up to the world and the world opens up to Denmark. See you next time on The GDP. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up your printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life.